can't believe I can't believe you didn't comment on my lighting. I, this is like a softbox light. You know, the sun is like. Oh no, no, you look good. Exploding. Too. No, I, I'm <laughs> onto sorry. my face. I, you should, know? I just have I the natural like to do another one. Yeah. You know, I, I just, just have the natural depth. Of don't my, you want uh, like you know Godfather uh, contrast? You know. Yeah, well, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it depends. And, depends. You know, it's the real it's Gordon Willis. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hello and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is Paddington 2, directed by Paul King, starring Ben Wishaw and Hugh Bonneville. My name is Cameron Tuttle and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? Very good. Ready for some marmalade, for sure. Nice. I'm also joined today with Juzo Greenwood. Juzo, how are you? Uh, Very good. Thanks for having me, Cameron. Yeah, no, this will be fun because we have, me and Juzo have talked endlessly about uh, the wonders of Paddington 2, um, and so it's it's good to have him have him on the show to to gush again endlessly about this <laughs> this yes. movie. Um, but before that, I'm sure there's plenty of things that we have uh, watched. Actually, I know there's one thing that we've watched, and maybe what we want to do. I don't know, Isaac, how you feel about this, but. Um, if we want to talk a little bit about Nope and then we could like break it out into something or we could just talk about it now. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think it's worth sort of doing its own review and maybe a small conversation about <laughs> quote unquote, the younger directors in Hollywood, because this is a topic we've touched on before on the show, mm-hmm. um, with a lot of these more, you know, concrete or foundational, influential directors being much older now in Hollywood, you know, our, our generation is definitely looking for who are those next group of people that are going to kind of take up the mantle, pull the inspiration and make something new and different. And I think Jordan Peele is definitely one of those voices and creators in Hollywood. Uh, and so for me, this movie was the only movie I really wanted to watch this summer, which is insane to some people. As a matter of fact, I it's agree. a it's a heinous crime that I haven't seen Top Gun yet. Which well, I, yeah, I have a, I have, I have no doubt that it's going to be a good movie. You know, I have no doubt I'll I will enjoy it. But um the thing is is that like this was the movie that I was like, it's my number it's what I want to see. Uh this is a director I'm excited about. I need to support it opening weekend. Um so I have a lot of thoughts on this film and kind of ranking it. Uh, in comparison to his other work, and I really do think you should sort of reflect on all of the movies that he's created, which it, it makes me feel so old because I'm getting to a point in my life when I'm beginning to watch movies and it's like I, I watched his first movie and then I saw every subsequent film by him like kind of, you know, in, in the time that it came out, like, like this is a director now that I feel like I'm following with my life, you know, right, and, right, and right, I've right. never really had that experience with one. Um, so yeah, I was really excited to see it. Overall, my thoughts on the movie are a little bit mixed. Um, I couldn't help but smile when I was watching it because I was like, there's, I've never seen anything like this movie. Like it is so it's so different. It's such a unique IP. And when someone asked me if I've watched the new Black Panther uh, like ad or whatever, it's like, I don't care. Like, I just want, like, I wanted to see something like this. And so even though it might not have been as satisfying as I wanted it to be um, walking into this, 
and I, I to me like us is like a fantastic movie um so like i had a very you know high appreciation for that movie but i found it unique because i came out of this movie being like you know the ending and the all the content in that movie i didn't necessarily like love every second of it i felt myself kind of having a feeling of like I'm trying to get into this movie the same way I was getting into us. Like I had like this conflict where I was like, isn't this cool? Like I'm like telling myself as I was watching it, isn't this cool? You know, um, this is so cool. Right. Like I felt like I was having this internal monologue when I was watching it. Um, and so I think there's something that didn't connect with me personally, but just on the outside, I was like, this is an incredible take on sort of, um, like honestly, like a Jaws storyline is what it sort of feels like. Um, I know I've seen some reviews compare this to Spielberg's work, um, but I, oh, yes. I I think that there's something about this film that has that breath of hope and adventure while still being creepy, dark, and still funny. So there's just, there's just a lot going on in this movie, um, and overall, I I do think I still like it a lot. I'm pretty close to saying that I love it. It's beautiful. The performances are great. Um, I think I think some of the like the mechanics of the movie or some of the structure of the movie is confusing and it does a thing where you consider it afterwards and you're like maybe something was trying to be said with all of that but I'm not entirely sure if I've found what it's trying to say yet. So I've been sitting in, I, I saw it last night. I've been really scratching my head about like what the movie's trying to say. Um, and I think you can interpret a lot from it, but I, it's not, it doesn't feel, um, I guess, I guess the postmortem is sort of similar to us where I'm like, there's something about that. There's a, there's something that's trying to be said in that movie, but um, it's, it's definitely enjoyable. Juzu, I want to know what you thought of it. Uh, yeah, I I basically loved it. I have to say, I understand your feeling, though, because it feels like with each of these movies as they progress, his stories get more messy and more kind of adventurous. Get Out is this sort of perfect construction. Everything in that movie is makes perfect sense, logically holds together. But when you get to Us and then even more with this, there's things in it where at first glance, you're like, why is that in the movie? What's going on there? Does this make sense that this character or creature is doing this? Um, but it almost doesn't matter because I think as a filmmaker, he's he's ascending very, very quickly in terms of skill. Get Out is, is yeah. a very good for a first film. But this movie... Um, he's doing the kind of stuff Spielberg was doing in the in the late seventies. Like really, I mean, not just Jaws, but also Close Encounters is, is a big influence on this. I think Jurassic Park also is, um, and also he's tapping into some of the John Carpenter stuff. There's lots of different influences on this movie. Um, well, I said Predator. Like I, I think Predator is a really sure. like oh, sure. you know structurally this movie kind of follows that that mm-hmm. tact in a lot of ways. Um, but. Uh, yeah, no, but keep going. Sorry. Oh, no, I just, well, but those were only things that came to my head after I watched the movie because in the moment of watching it, I was, I, I'm trying to think of the last time I enjoyed a movie. I just had that much fun in a movie, even mm-hmm. even more than maybe I, I did at West Side Story or like some of the great movies of last year. Maybe Tenet, honestly, is the last time I had that much fun at a movie. Really, I'm not kidding, really, because I remember that, the feeling of, oh my God, I'm back at the movie, seeing it in the theater, 
um, with all these people. And it, I love the way it sort of shifts genres. I we were trying to not really give away spoilers, but there's parts of the movie that are more horror movies. There's parts almost that are like a heist movie a little bit. Um, yeah, there, there's it, it's it's an interest, and then there's parts that are funny. Um, it's he's really sort of loose with the structure of it that, and it really works. And um, it's and it's beautiful to look at. He's sort of evoking. Uh, you know, classic Westerns a lot um, with the, Definitely. just the way it looks and some of the music. Um, and I think at its core, it's really a movie about in a lot of ways about making movies and about the history of filmmaking in Hollywood. Um, and is sort of that kind of, I feel like brings together some of the disparate elements that don't seem at first to be connected to the main narrative of the movie, if that makes any sense. Um, so yeah, I think it's a great, I mean, it's easily the best film of the year I've seen, uh, like by far. Um, but, and I don't know if it's, I think I'd say us is probably still my favorite of his movies, but I could see this. I don't know. It's, it's like the balance of get out sort of like the perfect construction and us kind of has a little bit more of that going for it. But this is just the scope and it's the type of movie I like to. I like movies that are have this kind of creepy feeling. I like movies that are about filmmaking. I like movies about uh, that are you know Spielberg movies, adventure movies, westerns. It's it's bringing together so many things I like that in some ways this might have been the most I've enjoyed any of his movies. Mm. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way actually, and I, you know, your some of your criticisms, Isaac, about you know it being a little bit looser and having sort of less of a you know less of a structure in the same oh, way yeah. that like us and Get Out uh, does. I actually liked that a lot personally, just because I think like those two movies to me are so breakneck. They're such a like they are they're like especially Get Out is like it is go, go, go from like basically the moment that you, um, you know, you meet the characters and us, I feel like is a little bit like that too. Um, and, and this movie has, you've, it's the first time you see Peel like really sort of live and sort of set himself in, in a place, um, and in a setting and, and just kind of drink it in, you know, and breathe it. Um, and it really works because there's both, times where that you know that gulch is um t absolutely terrifying and there's times where it's like so he's so reverent of the beauty of you know the landscape that he's in and so it's like mm. it really feels um feels like he's he's sort of giving himself a moment of like breathing room and like time to sort of engage the audience in a different way that isn't so um you know isn't so sort of tension focused and much more sort of um you know, experiential and character driven in, in a lot of ways. Um, and I, and I, yeah, so I, I really appreciated that about it. And then, you know, on the, on the, you know, what you're saying, Juzo, um, it is kind of a movie that I, that I really like. So like that, it's a type, a type of, of movie, movie that I, that I really like. So, um, I had no complaints about that. I want to see it again personally because I had the worst seat in in the theater. I think I literally <laughs> did. It was like the I was like front or whatever. yeah, I was smashing. The, I was the bottom front right. It was like oh, shoot. it was so it was like my head was twisted. It was terrible. So oh, that's not great. I I want to go see it again. We we kind of made like like an audible on Friday night because um, I was I was hanging I was down in L.A. I was hanging with my brother this weekend. Oh. And um, uh, we had dinner kind of early, and so we were like, we we're like, well, 
let's go see uh, let's go see nope you know like mm-hmm. that'll be fun um but all of the theaters near him basically had <laughs> had no seats that were that were acceptable so um yeah that was kind of a bummer but i, I am happy it's doing well i mean this is a very rare kind of the a big original movie and a movie that is bring people to see it based on just the the name of the director i yeah. mean it's really just him nolan maybe tarantino who can do this even spielberg he's not i mean he's like the most famous guy ever he's not not everyone rolls out for his movies that's for sure true um yeah so it's 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 earned 44 million this weekend so almost almost a budget probably I would assume. I don't think I mean, this is like a hundred million dollar movie, right? Uh, I'm not sure exactly, but it's. I think. It, I feel like I read it's the highest, um, the biggest opening weekend for an original film since Us. Um, wow. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty pretty big deal for him, and and definitely. Um, God, I'm just. You always wait for the other shoe to drop. Uh, no pun intended, because that's actually <laughs> there's that shoe in the movie. That's that is such <laughs> a strange thing that never. You well, don't, do, don't ex- yeah, don't oh, okay. say it. Don't say anything. Don't You're just like, it. what is what is that though? I don't. I'm still that whole naked. plot line is is super ambiguous and and to me, I'm like, I I like thematically and plot wise, I understand how it connects, but yeah. I'm I'm kind of baffled a little bit about the, uh, you know, everything else. Okay, it, you know, can I can I confess something? Yeah, I um, this is terrible. So maybe this this affected my viewing experience but i also feel like the movie has this kind of feeling of you trying to catch up or like understand what's happening right Mm -hmm. um but it doesn't help if you walk in probably five minutes late which i did Um, (laughs) oh no (laughs) so like i i i don't know if i know exactly what the opening scene was but um i walked in where he's talking to the dad like on the ranch so i'm pretty sure i missed the opening scene which made it even more confusing when they started talking about things with the that um, the guy who owns the amusement park, right? Well, well, you actually see this. The opening scene is shown again. I mean, yeah. to me, I was thinking that was the moment where I was like, "This is how good a filmmaker he is." Is he's showing you something that you already saw in the beginning of the movie? It's it's he right. shows basically the same thing. So you actually didn't miss the that shot. You you saw it later in the movie. In the part at the sitcom, we all know what we're talking about. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Horrifying scene. Um, <laughs> But you see it, and you know the guy survives because he's an adult guy. But still, it's absolutely riveting to watch, and well, I, I feel people going Ugh, as it was happening. Bef- yeah. Before, so it's it's weird how it's um, how it's structured because there's the opening credits, and then there's a um, there's a a little animation about Monkey Paw Productions, right? It's like on a train, yeah, and they kind of do like the yeah. yeah, and then. It goes on to to the opening scene, but I think I think it says like Monkey Paw presents, and so and in, in my mind I was like, oh, this is just another um, like production logo basically, because oh, I was awesome. like, this uh, you know it doesn't look like this has anything to do with the the movie, yeah. you know, and it's a monkey, yeah, and it's so it's like it was it was very disorienting to me to be like, wait, this is like the opening also, scene. Did, did guys, <laughs> not not just that, but also didn't did you guys get like the lights go down and you think the movie's starting and then they show the Nolan trailer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We well, got, I guess yeah, Isaac I, didn't because he we got missed that. it. But yeah, you missed the Nolan trailer. Yeah, no. for Oppenheimer, huh. a little tease. Um, so that was sort of, but it's odd because that comes after all the logos and you think yeah. the movie's starting. Um, 
That's well, anyways, I, I think we should, if we want to talk about it in full discussion, I think we should we should set up something for that because um, I, I think all three of us have, have a lot to say about it. Mm. Uh, but I want to get to Paddington, okay? Yeah. So let's let, we got to uh, move on. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I we could probably talk another twenty minutes about the other things we've been watching this week. So we're probably, just gonna yeah. sk- maybe we can add that at the end if we have time. But this is Cinema Spectator. You can support us at Patreon.com/slash/ECFSProductions. Throw a couple of dollars our way, possibly get an exclusive review of Nope. Uh, we we put out content each month or at least try to and we have a huge back catalog for you to get access of commentary tracks and bonus episodes and things like that you can also have questions written you can write into the show to have them read on air and just giving us any kind of support with a rating and sharing the show helps we appreciate your time thank you guys so much for listening to the show and it's time to get into the review of paddington because our intro is a little long i'll try to ta- uh, time stamp uh when the review actually starts because there's basically like a mini nope review in the description yeah, for yeah. You guys. so which i'm um, sure people will enjoy you know on, yeah, yeah. On, on its own but um yes paddington 2 the beloved sequel uh that at one point was it had like the highest rotten tomato score of all time i think like overtaking casablanca um oh, I'm sure. and it uh it came out in 27 kind of 2017 um to kind of i would say like critical praise um but basically like no fanfare almost i mean i i had you know i think did we see it in theaters juzo well it had a weird rollout because it came out in 2017 in england and then in america it came out kind of in like the dumpuary like i think it came out in january or february right I think it was the same weekend that the Clint's the fifteen seventeen to Paris came out, which gives you a sense of you know what it was up against. And even still, it wasn't a big thing. And then we, and then I saw it a bunch of times, and then I went and saw it with you a little bit later. Yeah, um, and and theater. I remember I, the the night before I had watched Paddington one, um, mm-hmm. and then and you were like, oh, you don't have to see Paddington one, like it's fine. Uh, no, you did you your know. research, I but I, but that. but I came in, I was prepared. Um, and for me, I mean, I don't know. I, I really liked Paddington one. I thought it, I thought it was like so wholesome and charming, but this one really, I mean, it, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of leagues beyond Paddington one in a certain regard. I think, I think emotionally it is like reviewing it, you know, several times, uh, I've, I've seen two now more than one, um, and I think I think for the mo- I think it's basically perfect. So <laughs> interesting because you you said you used to do like Paddington one more. I think when we saw when we it, first saw it, probably it yeah. Um, You've come around to the I I I I have, and part of the reason I think it's it's so well. I, I don't know. I want to give I want to give Isaac a chance to uh, yeah, see it for the first to talk time. about it, um, seeing it for the first time. But to me, um, one is like a great foundation. It, it you know gives you a an insight into the character but two i think sets up so many things that are are done well in in the first one and then just you know hits them out of the park basically like over and over again um but isaac what did you think of paddington 2 well i, I mean i was just reflecting with your introduction about the show how you know <laughs> <laughs> just like an expert in a casual watching the cinematic canon. I feel like this is probably one of the most casual movies you can watch. And so <laughs> I'm right at home, you know, uh-uh. uh, I, for me, at least I'm like, how can you not watch a movie like this 
and just kind of sit back and enjoy it. And I put the theory to the test because I watched the first one. I was like, that was just oddly enjoyable. And I would never watch that. And so I did the same thing to Juliana with Paddington 2. No context. She hadn't seen the first one. Uh, and I was like, hey, we're going to watch this movie about the, a bear in London. <laughs> and she was like, she was like, ah, I don't care about this. I don't want to watch this. And I was like, just trust me, you know. And by the time you, we got to the prison scene, like she never pays attention to movies, but she's watching it basically <laughs> smiling, like watching as the prisoners are all hanging out, you know, and she's like super, she's enjoying it wholeheartedly. And I was like, yeah, this is exactly what, you know, this movie is. It's just, it's, it's. It's kind of like unapologetically for everyone, and it's just very pleasant uh, all around. Um, I think it was great to do this as a double feature with Paddington 1, and I'm glad that you gave a little bit of that context, Cameron, because to be honest, I feel like I might like the first one more than the second one after watching them back to back. And I, th- I'm, I'm, I'm in my mind. I'm trying to think like, how did Cameron swing on that opinion? Because for me, the setup of Paddington One has got a little bit more of that Pixar energy that I'm used to, with kind of a family tragedy, uh, followed by you know a bear looking for a home, and it's sort of, I don't know. There's like strange sub context that we were talking about last week with like, um conversation about world war ii and what london used to be versus what it is now kind of some serious topics along with like family like there's like family tension and drama and he's brought into the house like to me there's some really beautiful elements to paddington one and i think the conflicts in that uh relationally not necessarily in the mustache twirling villain but relationally um they they weighed more on me i think there was something that was more emotionally invested uh in the characters whereas this movie you know the family just seems a little more um like the kids don't really play a big role in in the second one uh the family dynamic is not really uh the focus of this movie uh instead it's kind of more (laughs) i I'm not entirely sure because I, I found that it was more philosophical, like on a broad scale where it was like, you know, he Paddington keeps repeating that idea of like meeting, um, meeting any adversary with kindness and what that does to yeah. someone in life and where it gets them uh, and kind of the ripple effect of a person that does that and, and how the entire community sort of acknowledges that, uh, that outlook and philosophy of a character and what it did for them, you know? So I found that to be very interesting where the second movie has something positive to teach. And of course it's kind of a kid's movie in some way, but it it still resonates as an adult where it's like, this is an attitude you can strive for and you can leave the theater seeing the results of that, even though it's dramatized, it's still very um, real and relatable. Whereas the first movie I think has more of, more almost like uh sociological commentary i'm not entirely sure how else to put it i know that's maybe an over well that that's what stuck with me and maybe i'm being overly analytical towards a a movie about a bear in london but (laughs) you know like that's definitely fair for these movies yeah for for me i i feel like the first one i was kind of taken back by what's causing tension in the family and the dad having a past life that he's abandoned and now he's driven by fear with his children and 
Uh, there's also like the idea, like, honestly, I was thinking about like adoption with, you know, the bear looking for a home and things like, I, I don't know. To me, I was like, this feels like an exploration of, of real things in a different way where the second one was more of like, let's have a good time getting to this kind of philosophical idea. So I don't think either or are like bad by any means. I, I, I loved both of them. I thought they were rather fun. I think the second one, I was telling this to Juliana. I'm like the, 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 the whole thing with Paddington is they really shouldn't have, which is uh, how I feel about all of the filmmaking in these movies uh, where they just, they just are <laughs> extensively like doing way more than they need to do. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, with this I movie, see. when this, with this movie, when, when they do like the whole like paper uh, pop-up book animation sequence, I was just like, why? Like, just why are they going to such great lengths to to do something like this? Or the, it's awesome. The, I know, like the whole <laughs> sequence of like the prison, uh, kind of like being like changing, almost like time lapse style. Oh right? yeah, it's just Which like a huge. I just was listening to a bit of the commentary of the movie, and that was a huge like like pain for them because they had to film that like a hundred times adding different things and they have like a motion controlled camera that films it like every time exactly wow. the same where That's they add crazy. different things. So it's actually a lot, a lot of it was done in camera plus, and then little enhancements with CGI. So your, your analysis of it, they shouldn't have is actually pretty. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but it, like, and it goes all the way up until the end of it where, you know, they have like this post credits, like musical bit. And I was like, this is the most extras like on screen for this entire and they're using this as an end credits like <laughs> small like you yeah, know like it's not even fully, full yeah. screen you know they can't yeah. even like take it all in and they just they're they're just tryhards man whoever makes these movies man they're just they're like we have to we just have to go over the top we need to make a headache for ourselves on set you know um but overall, yeah, I re- it's hard not to. What? What did you think I was gonna say? I hated this movie, Cameron. Well, in, in the in the same <laughs> like, way that Paddington goes um, goes above and beyond to help his neighbor, um, they go above <laughs> and beyond to uh, to bring you such a wonderful, delightful movie. Um, no, but I I, I think um, I I think in some ways. Um, well, I, I don't know. It's interesting because you, I, I guess you connected with sort of the family um, conflict in the first one, which which I do. I, I love that part in that movie, too. Um, but to me, what really gets me about this movie is like Paddington's, you know, like his only purpose in this movie is to do something nice for his aunt who like you know, has, you know, he says like, she's given me so much when I was a cub, you know? And it's like, that to me is so, um, is so endearing and, and it hits me emotional. Like every single time there's like three moments (laughs) in this movie that I, that I start tearing up because it's like, it's, it's incredible. Like the, so the first one is that, um, is that, uh, pop-up book sequence, um, which I think is so wonderful, but you know, one of the best parts of the movie, um, and the music and, you know, the, the, the theme and, and Lucy seeing London. Um, and then, um, there's a sequence when he thinks that the Browns have forgotten him. Uh, <laughs> and, um, the, the prison cell turns to, <laughs> turns, turns to the forest and he has a conversation with Aunt Lucy. Um, 
that, that like destroys me every time. And then, um, and then the last, the last part, um, when, when, you know, Aunt Lucy comes home, um, is just like, yeah, it just, it just kills me. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how a movie that is about a talking bear hanging out in London, uh, can can hit me so emotionally but but it does and and i think i think maybe the strength of those emotions for me is like is a little bit it's like almost a little bit deeper than sort of the feelings that that i got from the first one which are still you know it's still a quite a, an emotionally interesting and complex movie uh but i think this one kind of just hits me on the on the experiential level a little bit more and on top of that I think this movie, they're both very funny, um, so it's hard to say, like, which one is funnier. I think the first one might be, like, quippier. Like, it has, it just has some jokes, you know? Like, there's something about the first movie that, like, you're like, wow, this is, this is clever for a, for a children's movie. Um, but this one, like, they're just sequences that, that I love that are, like, so funny. Um, you know, the whole, the whole sequence with, uh, with Knuckles McGinty, you know, being, <laughs> being the, the, you know, the hardened, um, chef and, and he, he just, he goes and he's, he's like, no, I, I love criticism, you know, and he's like, oh, well in that case, you know, it was just so, so sweet and charming. Um, but, and also hilarious. Um, but yeah, but I, th- I think, I think for me, yeah, it's like the, the depth of sort of the emotional, the emotional ride that that happens it goes to it kind of goes to some dark places in this movie honestly but mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it goes a little bit I, th- I think i actually agree that the first one is probably a little bit stronger at the family stuff because the family is more of an arc and this one they kind of already love paddington they've invited him into the family so there's not he's not going to repeat that same arc and it's sort of knuckles who gets that uh relationship with paddington of sort of like um softening his heart but I think I think the emotion of the second one comes maybe because there's a little bit more of the feeling of a big part is the ending is the feeling of, of sort of paying back that kindness. I mean, both these movies, I think the core thing is the idea of this sort of lovely central character who's sort of bringing life into. And in the second one, it's even visual in the way he, he brings life into the prison, which is gray. And yeah. then their uniforms turn pink and then the whole place. And then, you know, the warden's reading them a storybook <laughs> um, is lovely. But there's a sense of like him, the, re- the return on that, like it's very, very much like it's a wonderful life. In fact, it actually mm. feels probably is one of the movies that, gets closest to that kind of emotional impact of that movie for me. Yeah. Because what's satisfying about it is he's, you know, it's, it's the return of, you know, knuckles coming back to save him at the end. It's the return of the ending with everyone chipping in to bring out Lucy, um, to London that I think in the first movie, you get to see the impact he has on the family. But in, in this one, it's like, you see there, it's like the return on that investment almost. Um, yeah. that really, I think it brings it around not to mention just the fact that, it in as Isaac was saying, it's a technically like insanely well made movie, <laughs> um, and there's so much effort put into the art direction and the uh, visual effects and everything everything about it. The music, um, I really like Hugh Grant also as the villain. I think he's just hilarious. He's so funny. Well, and that's what I was saying sort of last week was that I think his his villain arc is much more. It's much less like mustache twirling and much 
it has more of a, um, you know, he's got a goal and he doesn't really care that Paddington is in jail. You know, it's not like it's not like his his point of the movie is to is to stuff Paddington. You know, he just he just wants the jewels. So it's like oh, it feels it feels like a little bit different where he he has he's just a, you know, kind of a selfish um, actor. And, he, you know, he's got these um this vision in mind of having his one man, <laughs> one man show. Um, and Paddington is just kind of collateral damage. Um, but, uh, you know, in the first one, it really is kind of, she is just a, an, an evil villain, you know? So I think he, he has a little bit more complexity to, to his character than, uh, um, than, than whoever the, uh, the daughter was. It's um, Nicole Kidman. Yeah. The, the Nicole, yeah. The Nicole Kidman character. I forgot that she wants to stuff him. I haven't seen the first one. In so long. <laughs> yeah, she, wow. she, uh, she literally like that's her whole purpose in the movie is she wants to stuff Paddington. <laughs> uh, it's a little more fun having him. Like he he interacts with Paddington earlier in the movie, and there's a little bit more of a connection with the family. In this the villain seems a little more divorced in the first movie from the main character. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I, I mean, I think. I think the prison sequence is like some of some of the best stuff that's been made, honestly, like in in recent cinema. I don't know how, but it makes it makes this. Yeah, it, it is the sort of lively turnaround from being um, a dull gray. You know, it, you know, he walks in and he's very um basically upset by by the decorum essentially you know and the the warden says uh you know he's like oh, uh usually Aunt lucy would would read me a bedtime story you know and, <laughs> you know things like that um and then just having it turned into a french cafe by the end and you know him him making all these friends um you know that he shows to the browns it's just like i don't know there's something there's something like it 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 really is a full envisionment of or it's it's an embodiment of Paddington's philosophy of uh, you know um if if you're kind and polite the world will be right you know it's like it's like the whole the, the you know the living into that even in the worst place that he could possibly be um, which is prison. <laughs> I guess stuffed might be worse, but, um, you know, mm. one step removed from that, um, you know, he's still able to sort of effectuate his, his own, you know, personal philosophy. So. Yeah. You know, I think there's also, and we mentioned the villain, he, I like, I think having a motivation that isn't kill the bear definitely added something uh, to this and there's kind of a like national treasure search going on with his character <laughs> I was kind of desperate to see a race between him and another character but that never really happened he just kind of had his own little adventures which I thought was fun whereas like um, when uh, you know the mom and dad they break into his house like that sequence had like tension because they're like kind of competing or trying to escape from him or and things like that so i found him in con like in conflict with the characters to be the most exciting um with him on screen um and i wanted more of that which i think is probably a positive for the movie um and 
I don't know, like the end, the end action set piece with like the trains and stuff. It's it's pretty exciting, and yeah. I genuinely thought they were gonna kill that bear underwater too. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh! Like I was like, it, this is it, you know? And Juliana's sitting there, and she's like, they're not actually gonna do it, right? And I was like, honestly, I don't know. Like I think they might, you know? Oh, um, and I was yeah, like, they, can't, they can't kill Paddington. I mean, yeah, that would be. And then the family's at the funeral, being like, well, if you're uh, polite, I know, you everything's to, all right. He literally did you know? go to prison in this movie, so like, yeah. it's not that crazy, like. <laughs> yeah i yeah i was like dude that uh, i mean that just would have had a much different turn for the the the, the phrase of the movie right like <laughs> politeness gets you nowhere basically yeah right? yeah, yeah. yeah gets you dead at the bottom of a lake you know <laughs> but uh politeness will get you so far until you know someone locks you in a in a train carriage and (laughs) flings you into a river (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah and then i like the ending is very sweet um I, i this is like the thing about watching this movie with jules is that she was like how could she come to L- I thought the whole point was that she couldn't come to London, right? Like, she's too old to come. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Can you just be quiet and we can just watch the end of this movie <laughs> where they're happy? And she's like, yeah, but isn't she too old? Like, how did she get there? I was like, oh, my goodness. It's a ch-. Like, she's fully invested and that just, just broke Jules, her. Jules has been watching too much uh, cinema sins. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just suspended her disbelief. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. You know. But overall, like overall, I think the two together are both fantastic movies. They, to me, again, it's that phrase you really shouldn't have. That's like all I felt this whole movie where I'm like, you guys, come on, just chill a little bit, you know? <laughs> no, there's literally, no there's chill, a shot, make it better. Sh- <laughs> they did a helicopter shot over the London skyline. Uh, and then animated a bear scrubbing his back against a window. But they were like, you know what's smart is take, doing another helicopter shot. And I'm like, why, you guys, dude? Like, it's just, it's there, you know. I, I feel like the finance department was just asleep during this. They were like, <laughs> uh, what do you, sure, whatever, we approve, you know. Uh, well, I, I respect that kind of effort because I, I, I feel like I've seen the version of this that's not as good where the effort isn't. You know, I, I just saw this. Yeah. Actually, not terrible, but but more just okay film called uh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris recently, which is about this sort of kindly older um, cleaning lady who goes to Paris to buy a Dior dress. And it's a very similar kind of story about like someone in a foreign country um, bringing light into the lives of many different characters. But that movie, it had a kind of... Um, it, it, it The tone has to be managed so delicately because if you go too dark you don't believe the kind of uh, joyous sort of fun moments with um you know and humor in the movie but if you if you make it too light and silly then you don't believe the like when it has to go serious and i think the paddington movies are great examples and it's a wonderful life is another one of these that that i mean those movies can go pretty dark especially it's a wonderful life goes very dark but it never I don't know. It, it it keeps the tone light enough that it doesn't it doesn't totally deflate, and you don't go, "Wait, this wouldn't make any sense." And you don't. Oh, except I, I guess Jules thought that, but mostly you believe it as you're watching. You're not you're not uh, questioning um, 
the plausibility of it. Well, um, and it, obviously there's there's a couple of things where you're like, wait, they gave him his hat in prison and now he just <laughs> like <laughs> he wasn't wearing his hat the whole time. You know, he had to wear the prison. Uh, you know, there's like certain things where you're like, OK, just just it's a kid's movie. It's fine. You know, like, yeah. How do you, how, yeah, how, do you how do you get that marmalade in there? I've heard about <laughs> yeah, those prison yeah, tactics, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. they. they what does yeah. that mean about Knuckles when he ate it? I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> um, I am. Um, I, I kind of want to shift the conversation, Cameron, because I think it's clear, you know, all three of us are like, hey, this is a great movie. It you know, is, this is. This is excellent. You know, we could keep raving about it. <laughs> what I'm really interested about is like, why did we choose to watch these two movies besides the fact that they're fantastic, which I mean, maybe that's enough of a reason, but I know that this movie is very important to you, very important to Juzo. And I can imagine a lot of listeners listening to the show being like three, you know, grown men talking about the Baron <laughs> London movie, right? Like, like sure, what, sure, sure. what, what can be kind of the personal pitch for this movie? I, I don't necessarily want to be like the movie's great. It's excellent on every level. So you can watch it for that reason alone. But I think going into this film and watching it for that reason can result in kind of a sterile. That was great. You know, um, you guys have talked a lot about emotion um, translating with this movie. I walked out of both of these kind of being like, I feel like I'm sort of considering things I hadn't considered. I don't know if I have that that emotional nostalgia or that lock with these films yet because I kind of watched them to talk about them on the show, and I think that might not be doing them justice, you know? So, I, I mean, at Juzo, I guess we can start with you, like... What what is it about these movies that I guess emotionally makes you not just say they're great movies, but they're like more than that? Oh, that's an interesting question. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, it's funny because I mean, a lot of movies I recommend, including ones I've made you watch, Isaac, are not movies that are nice and kind-hearted and sweet. Like that. Like I'm a big advocate for movies that make you feel very bad and uh, sad and angry when you finish them and but i think i think you know a great movie can be a, any can leave you with any kind of feeling and i think to make you f there are movies like i was talking about that attempt to make you have that kind of feel good quality but they only get halfway there but this movie really i mean like i'm like weeping at the end of this movie i think that's you know that's a real achievement on the part of the movie um and but it's a combination my pleasure from watching the movie is a combination of finding it very funny, finding it very um, moving and and also finding it, you know, on a technical level to be as great as any movie. I mean, it was in my top five of that year in terms of all the movies I watched. That was a year when I back when I watched, you know, like 100 plus movies in a year. Um, so I don't know. Does that answer your question or are you trying to get me to go in a different direction? Here? No, 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 no. I mean, I just I wanted you to take it however you wanted to take it with, with with that question, but I think what, um, I think kind of one of the other aspects that I'm interested with this movie is what you're talking about about like the whole like cinephile thing where it's like, well, I felt something, you know, and I think you hit that right kind of where I was where my mind was going with it. And Cameron, I'll have you respond on this too. Um, but like with this movie, it's such a positive joyful experience that I almost feel like a real film people might discredit that 
you know like there's something there's there's something about it where even as a casual viewer i watch it and i'm like that was nice and i could walk away and almost forget it um almost the same way that i would watch something that dis like kind of it's weird like something that disturbs you you can't just abandon where mm-hmm. this movie you can walk away not consider it not really take in all of those incredible elements because you're like that was so pleasant i'm gonna go eat lunch you know i know I, I think that's totally true and i think a lot of people um definitely cinephiles but i think even regular people too there is a tendency if you also if you look at what movies do people uh, give best picture to what movies are the movies quote unquote you're supposed to take seriously often are movies that are about you know serious issues they make you feel you know a certain way and um kind of um challenge you in some way and certainly in the world of cinephiles there's there's um sometimes a condescension i think to a movie like paddington even a movie like it's a wonderful life which i mean to me is like i don't know the best movie of the first 70 years of cinema but there were people i remember talking to one guy who was like well you know that's all right but it's no you know it's no ingmar bergman and i love ingmar bergman of course but um there's a tendency to, to look at stuff like this i think spielberg gets this rap a lot where it's like Oh, they're, these movies, they're just tugging at your heartstrings, and that's the only reason why you like them. But I think that's an underrated ability, the ability to move people. I, I always think it's its funny, or it's, it's kind of counterproductive when people use um, the, the term manipulative as a diss of movies, because movies, that's what they are. Movies are made to manipulate your emotions in one direction or the other. And uh, the quality of a great film is it moves your emotions deeply because I and I think from seeing so many bad movies, um, you know, and it just applies with like even action movies too because I think a lot of times people don't distinguish between a Fast and Furious movie and a Top Gun Maverick. They just see it as the same kind of oh, it's just you know um, pure kind of action. It's just oh, you're just getting into it because of the thrill of it. It's like well, one of these movies I watched and I was bored for the entire time. And one of them was the most exhilarating thing I've seen in the last year because, you know, there's a re- there is artistry. And I think um, that's, that artistry is sometimes underrated. And, and sometimes artistry is only looked at seriously when it's touching on um, deeper themes or touching on uh, more serious topics. And, you know, not that the Paddington movies aren't, touching on deeper themes. These are movies about, you know, the most important things in the world. They're about family, about, um, you know, accepting people who are different than you. They're about um, the the power that um, your actions have on the world around you and how the actions you take, you know, um, will, will cause people to then be there for you in the end. I mean, these are all, I th- to me, I think these things are as valuable as any serious movie, um, quote unquote serious movie. Um, so... I don't know. That's my read on it. Yeah. Well, I was actually going to say kind of the same thing that you said, Isaac, was that I I, I agree that um, in sort of cinephile communities, a lot of the a lot of the movies that you watch are very are either, you know, sort of high art and are trying to say something, you know, maybe a little bit out there or are sort of in the deeply um, serious, deeply grounded uh, realm and in my mind, I mean, I think I think we've done a lot of movies in this. Uh, what are we at? Like a hundred episodes, almost. Is this our hundredth episode? Wow. I have no idea. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I have no idea. 
I can look. Hold on. Well, uh, you know, uh, we've done we've done you know quite a few movies by this point, and you know, most of them are going to be the serious kind, or the dark kind, or the disturbing kind, or you know, in that in that realm. And I think that's partly just because it's funny to make Isaac watch. Partially, but I think I think there is something to the fact that um, that film people like. darker movies um and the amount Mm. of wholesome movies that that are out there a i think is exceedingly rare i think there actually aren't there may be no movies that come to the level of wholesome that um that paddington 2 does you know like even even children's movies um you know you guys all love the dreamworks movies but they're not they're not wholesome you know in this way um Hmm. they they you know they have a certain they have a certain edge to them um and even sometimes pixar movies um you know usually they're pretty wholesome but um but that's not like the main sort of driver of of the um you know of the the story or, or of the you know the ability for you to be moved by that by that story um and in this case like the entire thing is about being you know being good to those around you and being like part of the community and being a, a you know a joyful happy person like there's not much more wholesome that you can get honestly um than this movie so like that to me is also why it's significant not just because it's a great you know kids movie and a great movie generally um but also it it is kind of in a league of its own when it comes to being just completely um lovely and and wholesome you know like i don't know i don't know if there's anything else that i've seen that that comes close to that i think for me this the the ending conversation around this movie that we're having now is like it's so great to have you guys both love this film and be able to like look through it. But you know, when we started this show, I think so much of like, like high class cinema or or like the classics and stuff, like it's rooted in such a heavy cynicism, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, hundred percent. And, and it's like, it's funny because I can almost imagine like these cinephiles having their conversations and they want to talk about, you know, I, I don't know, like, some of these artistic filmmakers like we did yeah we did like we did kubrick right and i'm sure that they would rather talk about kubrick for 50 hours where they might say you know paddington you know one hour of conversation at max right they're not going to approach that but to me there's something about it where it's like because i've been pushed through this grueling experiment (laughs) by cameron you know um and not that you necessarily need this, Cameron, but I'm like, wouldn't it be more challenging to sway into an area that you're not like drawn to? And that's only that's only coming from someone who has done that <laughs> basically yeah. for well, this I whole think, show. I think that's know? this movie for me. Um, yeah. Like before, I mean, like even even now i t- i don't tend towards you know happy cheerful movies all that much as i in fact it's pretty it's pretty rare to to have yeah, a movie you, like you less that. than me actually i would say yeah 100% no i think you i think you actually like you actually probably gravitate towards 
um, happy movies, happier movies than I do. <laughs> I, I like a bit of both, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think, well, Juzo is, is excluded from this conversation. <laughs> There's nobody I've met that has a greater film knowledge than Juzo. Yeah. That's and true. actually watches everything. So <laughs> that that's, that's, you know, but. Well, I try to not dismiss either side of it because I think, I think, to me, it's like life is equal parts horrifying and beautiful. So it's like a movie, a movie can't, I mean, maybe a very great movie can represent all of that. But for the most part, you have to kind of pick a slice of what life, the experience of life is. And so, you know, sometimes you get, you know, Paddington too, and sometimes you get, you know, scenes from a marriage. And, and I think all of these, both of those movies have, immense amounts of truth to it and both have immense amounts of artistry to it. So I think I wouldn't want one without the other. Mm. Yeah. I Cameron, were you going to say something? No, I mean, I interrupted you. No. Well, or, well, I was just going to say like, like wholesome movies are not really my, what I gravitate towards, you know, Mm. in general, if I'm like picking out a movie to watch, I, I and even more, you know, it, th- that's not to say. I guess that's not necessarily true because I do like movies like Top Gun Maverick or you know things that are like things that are like yeah, woo, you know, like that are just kind of mm-hmm. dumb action movies. Like that's fine. That's mm-hmm. I I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Um, and I I would say Maverick is pretty wholesome. It's a pretty wholesome movie. Kind of kind of uh, is actually. Um, but uh, but you know. This, I think, I think probably why I'm turned off by them usually is that they are, um, there may be either, you know, a lot of movies that I've seen, you know, kids movies or, you know, movies in this, in this vein can be the sort of faux, either faux wholesome, that's actually not really even that great of a, um, you know, great of a movie and not even really that great of a, of a message either, you know? And then there's a lot of movies that are, um, you know, trying to do it well, but, uh, kind of fail on sort of the emotional scale and, you know, don't, don't hit you in, in that certain way. So you do kind of just walk away being like, eh, it was fine. You know, like I, there's, I mean, there's a lot of bad ones. I mean, a lot of bad movies are made, you know, whether they're, you know, like uh, those Christian movies that you guys are forced <laughs> to watch or, you know, movies about a dog, you know, going on some of the Yeah, 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 totally. Terrible. Totally. Yeah. A, do- a dog's so I purpose. Feel like, <laughs> yeah. So it's like when there is one this good, it's like it's it's worth celebrating as much as any, you know, classic canonical film. Yeah, I 100% agree. And it is better than Breathless. I am going to say that right oh, now. Oh, it's 100% better, better than, than, than Breathless. Breathless. This might, I mean, I don't know if it this is innovated like... the medium more than Breathless, but... Yeah. I don't know where I'd have to look, but this might rank in like the top 10 of the show. I mean, for me, I don't know. Like, like I, it's, it's a, it's just a fantastic movie. Like how can you even, how can you even, you know, I don't know. There's nothing bad to say about it, honestly. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I'm always going to pair these two films together in my mind. Now it's kind of, I, I feel like, I'm separated from watching them with like younger eyes, I guess. And it's, it's a series of movies that I'm so excited to like show to my kids, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm like, I feel like these movies are going to age 
really well, even with the like the the taste in CGI is super good. I think the first movie has worse CGI, obviously, than the second one. But I also noticed that the second movie works really hard to use CGI uh, sparingly, which I think gives it a much more timeless feel. Um, there's only there's a few moments in the first movie that are like, ooh, that's not going to look good in five years, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think the heart and the depth of this movie, like that, that's what's going to take it even further. Where it's like my kids will watch Paddington, but they're not going to watch the Sonic the Hedgehog movie <laughs> because they're going to think the Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. movie is stupid. Like they probably will. They're like, this is ugly. And I don't understand any of the weird memes that they're talking about. Is Sonic, is right. that a video game character? You know, he's going to, Sega's going to be closed for bankruptcy. Um, so I it, like, you know, it's just, it's interesting when these animated movies, like, and I've been doing this too lately, reflecting on like the movies you're going to show your children, right? I think that is a really interesting topic. And it really came forward with this. For me, with the, with the with these movies, I'm like these are movies that it's like a no brainer. Uh, mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're a parent and you're listening to this, it's like you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to miss the chance to have your kids watch this because I feel like there are so many great themes and it it's like how do I say this? How do I want to say this? It brings such deep concepts into such an easy, easily consumable package, you know, um, that it's so seamless that you don't even need to think about the deep concepts. Uh, I think a great example would be like the neighbor who is literally like a bear racist in in, in this, in this (laughs) movie, right? Like it's, it's, it's genuinely like, um, a, 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 a commentary on like racism, you know, but it's so easily consumable and you're like, yeah, that's not right. Even if I like was a kid, I was like, oh, that's not right. And it's almost like seeding something that's important at an early age where it's like, he doesn't know that person and he hates that person because of what he looks like. There's something not right about that. It maybe if he just knew him, you know? Um, and it's like a, a message like that it's 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 like hitting a home run um and in such an easy way to understand right yeah mm-hmm. um and i and i think there are other movies that will be able to do that too i'm super curious what my kids in the future are going to think of like the first toy story you know which i i think you know i think it's going to hold up but Oh, yeah, the, the animation is rough, right? Like I'm hoping I could watch, I could, they can watch that before they watch anything else, you know? Um, I think, it, I think it almost doesn't matter though. Cause you, you maybe will look at it and go, Oh, it's kind of primitive, but you get caught up in that story so quickly and it's so great. Um, yeah. And the, I was, the voice acting performances too are just stellar. Of course. So yeah, no, I think it's an interesting, uh, again, I don't go too long, but the whole, the whole thing of showing movies to your kids is, is, is a, is a tough dilemma because when you're a kid, at least in my experience, you kind of just like anything that's put in front of you, whether it's, you know, kind of, you know, some DreamWorks, you know, or a great work of art like Paddington or Finding Nemo or Toy Story. You don't really distinguish between the two. So it's almost like the, the, the reason you want to show your kids something really great is because when they get older, 
it's sort of like a gift you give them of, at least for me, the experience of watching those first, those early Pixar movies as an older person and appreciating the ideas and what they're really about and the artistry of them in a way I didn't as a kid. As a kid, I just was like, oh, it's fun watching, you know, Buzz fly around. You, um, it's it's a really beautiful thing to even, even, I mean, I've seen those movies more than any other movie, but even I'm, I went to this Pixar concert and they're showing clips of the movies and I'm like, oh my God, it's just, it's so good and so beautiful. And um, you're just, you're really sort of, um, it's a wonderful thing to sort of grow up with a movie and to sort of um, age with it and see how it, your feeling about it transforms with with your uh, life experience. I, I, I um, do want to say, Juzo, I don't know if I fully agree with that because as a kid maybe i was just i don't know boss baby child i'm not entirely <laughs> sure what was going on you had but, more discernment but, than but i but i i vividly like remember these crust not crusty i guess they were new back then they're crusty now but like you know those plastic vhs tapes right like the plastic case the, yeah. i'm not talking about like like the snap paper case the plastic yeah. the snap right mm-hmm. my grandma and grandpa had um toy story in the plastic case and ants in the plastic case. And uh-huh. if I couldn't discern, I guess I would just watch whatever one I wanted to, but I'll tell you, I did everything in my power to never have to watch ants because <laughs> yeah, ants too. was just, that was just not right. You know, whatever was going on there, <laughs> movie was I was terrifying. like, I <laughs> and I was like probably scared of toy story, you know, like when, huh. when you're watching it, the, it's intense, the yeah. beginning, it's like, okay, we can watch the first half hour. It's cool. I love the toy soldier scene, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. But then, like, if 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 the party goes too long and you get too deep into the movie, suddenly they're at the gas station, and then there's like the creepy uh, claw baby with the eye missing or whatever. Like, <laughs> I the started crying yeah, yeah. when his when he lights the match and the car goes by and his, he, he he falls on his knees. I started. Crying. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I think there is some like kids are smarter than you think. I, or at least I remember thinking adults were really dumb uh, I, I as a kid. You, I think you, so. uh, you may have a point there. I mean, first of all, maybe I just had like absolutely no discernment as a little <laughs> kid. But also, I think you know, no, there is some truth to that. And, and um, yeah, that there are there are things. I remember watching Shark Tale actually, or my parents put that oh, on, and I was like, yeah, yeah. I left the room in ten dude, minutes. Dude, dude, like, kids hate Shark Tale. I don't know what <laughs> yeah. to. If you're a kid that likes Shark Tale, bro, it's like upsetting. I I, I don't weird. know. It's I disturbing. I hope you finish college. You know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, but um, yeah, that's so funny. Ants was. I feel like there was always a movie playing. Did you ever? You went to like the the. Uh, uh, what is the kids doctor? What does that call it? Pediatrician. Pediatrician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you, you go to the you know the doctor's office, and they're always they always have like one of those VHS uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, movies playing, and it was either, it was always like the worst one. It was like Shark's Tale or Ants, and like you know it was like the knockoffs of uh, of, of good movies. Um, but yeah, Ants Ants is funny because we I remember we brought we brought it up. A couple of weeks back, when we were uh, <laughs> when we watched uh, Manhattan, because Woody Allen voices the main character for Oh <laughs> from gosh! Ants. Oh gosh! <laughs> yeah. Um, also, speaking of which, we were kind of uh, premonitioning the other day um, when you talked about um, when you talked about what what is that dog movie or whatever. Um, 
Isaac. Oh, C spot run. C spot run. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And um, the guy that I think his name is like, uh, um, like Paul Servino or. Um, oh yeah, name? he just passed away today. Yeah, he. Yeah. Well, he's Polly and good. Yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah. But that's, more well I know, I know. But that's that's where that's where Isaac, you know, first recognized him from. Um, yeah, and he <laughs> and he just passed away today. So um, man, we uh, we we saw into the future. Unfortunately, he's wonderful. I just I we I just saw a great great movie. I'll recommend to both of you. This is a good like in the wholesome, fun, pure movie category. The Rocketeer. It's like one of the best superhero movies I've ever seen. And Paul Servino plays a gangster in that, and he's absolutely uh, delightful. Would highly recommend that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think like some of the other films that Paddington sort of like kind of had the wheels turning, like as as those movies that are just like kind of shockingly uplifting because most movies aren't, you know? Um, a lot of people felt that way with like the How to Train Your Dragon movies. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, big time, big time. I was kind of a, a mixed. I think I was like in the wrong years. I was like, you know, early teens or whatever. So it was like, no, there's a weird cool. period where you reject. You're like, I don't want to like kids movies. Yeah. And yeah, no, I only saw the dragon movies a couple of years ago, and I was like blown away by them. Um, that's another thing that's interesting is when you're older, you know, kids movies. You you are more likely to like a kids movie as as a kid, but when you're older, that's a real test. If you watch a kids movie and and it blows you away in the same way as an adult um, watching it for the first time, and I think Paddington and uh, the Paddington movies and the How to Train Your Dragon movies are some of the only kids movie because a lot of it is just you see these trailers for like you know DC League of Super Pets or Paws of Fury <laughs> and it looks just so so awful. Yeah. Um. But occasionally you get something that. You're like, this is made for kids, but this is also like a great, I mean, How to Train a Dragon is like a great work of art. I mean, it's unbelievable. Well, it's funny because um, I, I always hated Toy Story 2 as a kid because I thought it was boring. It was more boring than the first one, mm-hmm. um, which is oh, kind of true. Me, um, but but then rewatching it as an adult, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like so much more <laughs> like, inte- like this is so much more like emotionally um, uh, like hitting, you know, it really really makes you feel in in that movie um there's the best one there's something that is like so i i remember just like crying as a child thinking about that jesse scene yeah yeah like i i just like as a kid i was just like i just cried i like didn't want to watch it because of that you know so it's just yikes man like yeah no that movie is i gotta rewatch toy story 2 and the how to train your dragon ones it's been a long time since I've seen the How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, because you guys see the, the third one only came out in 2019. I'm not sure if you guys saw no, it. I didn't see no, it, I yeah. didn't see it. Third no. one was like a beautiful movie. Uh, yeah, I'm gotta, tra- gotta check that out. I feel some of the best film scores ever, by the way. Watching Paddington and I guess kind of the some of the you know we we're talking about Toy Story and animated films. The 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 relevant conversation around. Lightyear and kind of like the 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 subpar reception um, to that film, it it kind of has the wheels jogging in my mind because I'm like Paddington. I don't know if you consider it an animated movie. I'm I'm sure some people don't, but I'm like it it has like this old Pixar feel that like is bursting with life and creativity and I don't know like it's just. 
it's overwhelming and I'm like, man, this is this is incredible. Um and I feel like other animation studios are beginning to pick up a mantle that is lo- that has been lost at at Pixar. Um maybe not gone, but with some of the recent releases. Um, you know, with the leg for me, the Lego movie was just incredible. So much fun to watch and um into the spider verse for me i was just like floored with that movie it's more of an action movie but still like just visually and artistically juzo you you're probably the biggest fan uh, that i know of with pixar like what do you what do you think of like the next generation of animators coming in to to take the crown it's a real mixed bag because there's a lot of stuff that, I mean, I got to tell you that that concert I went to was kind of depressing because the first half is all the classics, you know, the first 10 movies and one masterpiece after another. And then the second half, it's all these sequels and none of them like Toy Story 4 is a good movie. Incredibles 2 is a good movie. But when you see them right after seeing the clips of the first movie, it's like this is really kind of, you know, a diminishment. And um I thought Turning Red gave me a lot of hope. I mean, that was really the first like original Pixar movie that's made by someone other than those original guys. Like it's a woman who's almost, you know, pretty cl- almost close in age to us. Um, and I thought that was actually really interesting. I wouldn't say it's as good as those original movies, but that was the first that felt like it had. Um, they were treading new territory. Um, but then of course it's undercut six months later by Lightyear coming out, which is kind of, I don't know. I, it's funny. My family kind of liked Lightyear, but I, I, I thought it was kind of a pretty, pretty generic movie. I think honestly, if you watched it, you would find it pretty inoffensive. I mean, unless you like hate gay people, which I guess was the thing with that movie, (laughs) but like it was, it's a pretty just, you know, standard action. It feels like it was conceived as a sci-fi movie and they grafted the Buzz Lightyear aspect onto the movie to make it more. Uh, franchisable which of course backfired because it did terribly yeah um, i i mean i guess i only brought it up because this conversation about like the race between animators Cameron and i we listen to different podcasts and it's it's like uh well at least in because I, I i tend to pay attention to the conversation in the gaming space more about like these different creators and developers who are making things and it's interesting how they kind of go through like these phoenix phases where they like rise from the ashes at, and suddenly have like a new awakening with with these studios that where they fall into trends of making the same franchise and over, over and over and over again. And I think the example I'm thinking of Cameron is Doom with Id and how they yeah. came back with that re-release and it was like boom, like it came out of nowhere. You know, um, the the and and I think actually what I'm thinking about right now is Naughty Dog and how people hate on their their the Last of Us projects that are coming out. Mm. I haven't seen Pixar's movies, right? The newest ones. I just get like this public negativity around Pixar. And I'm like, has, is there Phoenix moment coming? Or are we, or should we be even more excited about things that are, you know, kind of festering outside, you know? I know that's kind of like a, I would, I would say more outside in general. I think, um, I turning red feels more like an exception than, and I think the thing about Pixar was I, we glom onto it as a company, but it really was the people making those movies. And since those guys have all kind of gone, one guy is now the head of Pixar. He's, he says he's not going to direct as much. One guy is directing TV. Another guy is doing live action. Um, 
you know, it's now it's just sort of a, a company name. Um, so it's it's I wouldn't be that. I don't know. There's a certain threshold of quality they're not going to drop below. But um, I found this year to be a year where I'm seeing an, uh, quite a few an- animated films coming from different places, not even from the big studios. But like I, many of the great films I've seen this year are animated, Turning Red being one of them. But also, you know, Richard Linklater did a, a 2D animated film about his childhood during the moon landing. He did that with Netflix, you know, um, very, very unconventional, not a mainstream, not a kid's movie, but uh, he did it in sort of the rotoscope style. I'm not sure if you guys remember those like Charles Schwab ads or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's that style. And then, you know, Phil Tippett released his stop motion animated film, Mad God, which he's been working on for like 35 years. And that's fantastic. You're seeing there's a movie called Marcel the Shell with shoes on. That's another kind of stop motion combined with live action um, thing. So you, I feel like, you know, there there is this sort of epidemic of the mainstream CGI animated film being so horrible and just looking so terrible. Um, and really, it's become, a, it's animation is not a genre, but it's become a genre. Like there is a, like Minions, that is now like a genre of animated yeah. film, this sort of like hyperkinetic, really like aggressive, kind of sugar-filled, obnoxious um, quality of film when really animation can be anything. And you're seeing people, oh, another person is like um, uh, Laika and Henry Selleck and um, movies like Coraline and those sort of things. I feel like those people are gonna lose interest in that sort of thing because those movies are just the silly movies. They're just for kids. And, the, and things like Spider-Man, that was such a big movie, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. People are realizing that like animation can be something other than this obnoxiousness. And um, I have more hope in seeing more of that. And I would, I would hope maybe Pixar would even um, understand that. I mean, I would, to me, I think Pixar could do with doing something like, what if we made a film that's not for kids? Like, what if we made a film that's like a Miyazaki movie or something like that? I mean, like Pete Docter, who made Inside Out and Soul, he is pushing the bounds of what is a children's film about as far as you can make. And those movies are barely even kids' films. Those are movies about very, very profound, almost like spiritual ideas. And to me, I see the next step for him as an artist, you know, letting go of the silliness or the jokes or anything of the the kids' variety completely and going into the sort of the unknown of, of making a film that's... Um, a little bit more adventurous and, and a little less kid friendly. Not that that's a bad thing, but I don't know. Yeah. And I, well, I would say like, um, I obviously if doctor was to do that, he would have to do it. Not in the, uh, in the umbrella of Pixar, you know, cause I, I don't think Disney would ever sort of allow that to be a, yeah, I guess D- Disney's uh, yeah. the issue. he runs. <laughs> no, Pixar, no, no, I know, but, yeah, but, but is, it, yeah, it just overlord. wouldn't, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be brand friendly, uh, enough, but I was going to say like a couple years ago, um, there's that movie Anomalisa, um, that came out that was, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in sort of the adult, uh, vein, but, um, Very much so. you know, I, I, I do feel like, I feel like there's, uh, it's it's been a democratization of, of sort of the animated um, medium. I I do I do think there's more out there now than there ever has been. Um, but with that being said, there is also a lot more uh, garbage. So, <laughs> um, mm. you know, I I think I think you take you take some of the good with the bad. You know. 
But it, it almost feels a little bit like that, like 1967, where you have like like Doctor Doolittle as Minions, The Rise of Gru, <laughs> and you know, like Linklater's movie is Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, like there's yeah. it. It feels like we're reaching a point where people are like, we're sick of this stuff, and and we want to see the you know the something like the Spider Verse uh, being the more mainstream example. Yeah. Um, so I have some hope for it, um, but we'll see. Great, awesome. Um, I don't really know where else to go with the show today, so let's just talk about MCU Phase 5 and 6. Cameron, why don't you take it away? Um, <laughs> I was going to sure say, though, you- <laughs> we were talking about Black Panther. That trailer, shockingly, looked very good. I, I've been very disappointed in every Marvel thing since Endgame, other than maybe Spider-Man, which is pretty good. Um, but with Ryan Coogler doing it, I have I have some hope for Black Panther uh, Wakanda Forever, whatever it's called, being being something a little more interesting because it definitely does not have the gray, like it doesn't look like a Marvel movie. It's not shot at like an airport hangar, you know? Like it feels like there's some artistry to it. And the first Black Panther had that quality too. Um, I, I mean, so, I really like the first Black Panther. Um, looking back on it, I was like, at, when I first saw it and I think it was overhyped. So I was like, eh, it's fine. And then rewatching mm-hmm. it, I was like, no, that movie's a little, it feels like it has kind of more of the heart that I loved in some of the early MCU movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I watched the trailer recently for Black Panther. I just felt like I was drooling out of my mouth. I was like, I, I don't, I really just, I don't know what to think. I, I feel like I wasn't mm-hmm. even really watching it. I was like, Marvel is marvel and that's what it is i mean you know marvel, honestly marvel is the only thing if it was just ryan coogler makes a black panther movie it would probably be one of the movies i'm you know like 10 movies i'm most looking forward to the rest of the year but the marvel logo and produced by kevin feige is what makes me go uh we'll see because i just don't my my faith in that aspect of it and the um the constant desire to bring interconnectivity into the, these movies and the shared multiverse. I just, I could not give, I'm not going to curse on the show. Sorry, but um, I don't care about that. Stuff. Yeah. I, and, I, 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 I mean, like it's interesting. My little cousin, he's like, did you see the trailer? Did you see the trailer? And he like sending it, he's sending it to me and stuff. And he's just so dug into it, you know, like he's like, it's, it's totally, I mean, for a kid that he's, I think he's, you know, about to go into high school or something, he's got nothing better to do, you know? And so it's like, it's literally like his world. He's like, I love this stuff, you know? Well, it's the center of film culture and people are not, I mean, I don't know. I don't think people are watching like Kimmy or, I mean, Nope is something that gives me some hope that there's people looking for something that's not a franchise movie, but it's so ubiquitous at this point. It's like, you can't avoid it. Cameron, any thoughts? Uh, I don't care about it. Cameron's like, please. Wrap I don't it care up. about please any of this. Um, I did see that they are gonna do a Blade reboot, so I assume it's probably gonna be um, bad. I mean, I have no love for the for the original Blade, but I think if they are able to get the sort of the campiness and the ridiculousness of that movie, I'd I'd be down for that. But I have no hope. So um, you know, I need to get off the. Cameron's very good about this because. I... Cameron doesn't see any Marvel film. Was the last Marvel film we saw Avengers Endgame? Yeah. Did you see Spider-Man? No, <laughs> Damn, bro. Yeah, no, because I'm, I I feel like I'm caught in it a little bit because they, they it's not even the, the marketing, but it's just the fact that 
the interconnectivity of everything and the thing that's that they're sequels and also the fact they hired directors i like you know like i'm like well i'm interested what the director of nomad land is going to do with eternals if it turned out it was like the worst thing <laughs> maybe film ever made but um or sam raimi like sam raimi got me to go see doctor strange 2 the the sequel to a movie i couldn't care less yeah about i'm guilty on opening night and it was a total you know, it was a total bust. In yeah, my it was an absolute masterpiece. You know, oh, I just well, watched. I'm glad, I'm I just watched it. it again. I was like, "This is great. This is so fun." I don't know. <laughs> Did you see Thor two? Three, Thor four. You yeah, know, I actually watched Thor two. <laughs> well, I'm Thor about half. I'm about half. Ago. I'm a halfway through it, watching it again. And I remember I was like, you know, Thor two is not as bad as people say. And I'm rewatching it right now. It's it's an absolute mm. nightmare. I, I I'm not gonna lie. I was like, but wow. The new the new Thor. I that was probably one of the MCU movies I was most excited for because I like Taika Waititi so much. Yeah, and it was it was a piece of garbage. I mean, it was like horrible. Um, and yeah, I don't know what happened with that movie. I just picture um, like the poster for Thor four, like. Um, Great post. Is this maybe this is a spoiler? Spoiler warning for Taika Waititi's movies. If you haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, see it. Yeah, see Jojo. I Rabbit. I just picture the po- I, I just see the picture of. Okay, here's that was your spoiler warning. The picture of the Thor four poster, and then like the hanging feet of the mother. In Jojo Rabbit. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> just like oh, that's done. So yeah, no, I I know his. He had a quote, and he was like. He said something like, I decided to make a Thor movie that the fans wouldn't want to go see or, or, or something like that. <laughs> like he like wrote like that's what his quote for the movie was, is like, I didn't want to make a conventional Thor movie. It's something the fans probably didn't want to see. I was like, what? Uh, okay. Like, I don't know entirely what the point of that is. But, you know, anyways, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we were supposed to be talking about hopeful movies about bears in London. And Cameron looks like he's about to end it all. So I think we should end the show. <laughs> Um, uh, people, thank you for listening. Uh, we post every um, we're two Tuesday. Tuesday now. We're Tuesday. We're We've Tuesday. Moved. We're Tuesday now. Yeah. So appreciate your support, and we'll see you next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.